begin a, a series called uh, Foundations of the Faith. What is it that we believe by way of foundational beliefs and why do we uh, believe them? And today, uh, we want to add to our foundation stones another one, and it has to do with the Spirit of God. And I will just place this over here for your viewing pleasure. You will recall, if you've been with us from the beginning, we began by talking about the Bible from which we find out about everything else. Uh, because of the authority and inspiration of the Bible, we have confidence in it, and it has told us about Almighty God. So we're not left with speculation about his character and nature and purposes and works and deeds spelled out for us in the scriptures. So we investigated at some length the attributes of God. And then we moved to the second person of the Trinity, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we spoke of his humanity and divinity and of his atonement and of all the rest. And now we're going to move to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and we'll be on this particular topic uh, for some weeks to come. There are some uh, controversial issues which we will uh, attempt to deal with, and I'll just tell you the truth about everything pertaining to the Holy Spirit, so you never have to wonder again. Just listen to everything I say, and you will be correct. Of course, I'm just kidding. I want you to put your thinking caps on uh, in the weeks ahead in particular, just to see if what I'm saying squares with the scriptures. That's the bottom line, the authority of the scriptures. So tonight we'll talk about uh, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ was executed, and the night before his public execution, he called together those were his, uh, who were his most devoted and faithful followers, uh, the disciples. And he told them that he was going away, and where he was going, they could not yet come. So as you might imagine, they were filled with confusion and great sorrow. And he, loving them more than words could even express, uh, offered to them words of comfort, a promise that would lift up their spirits, and not only theirs, ours to this very day. And it's found in John's Gospel, John chapter 14, uh, verses 16 and 17, and here's what it says. This is one of the Lord's final prayers to the Father. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, uh, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So it's the night before his execution. They're going to see him go. They don't know when they'll or even if they will see him again. They're confused and they're sorrowful. And he offers these marvelous words of comfort. He tells them, in fact, he's going to request of the Father that he send to them another helper. Now, there's a wonderful uh, insight here. In the original language in which this is given, which is Greek in this case, there are two words for the one English word, another. One of those words means another of different kinds. And then the other, another, means another of exactly the same kind. 
And that's the word another used here. And so the Lord Jesus is essentially saying, I'm going to ask the Father. He says, be comforted. I'm departing from you. You cannot come yet. But I'm going to request of the Father that he send to you, because you can't make it alone, uh, that he send to you another. I have been your helper. I'm going. I'm going to ask the Father to send you another helper. And this other helper, you have to understand, and this is what they heard in the original language, this other helper has the same essential nature as me. In other words, he's divine. As I came, says the Lord Jesus in one word, and fleshed, fully God, fully man, so to this other helper who I'll ask the Father to send to you when I depart, he too is God, fully God. He too is divine. So Jesus is the first divine helper sent to us by the Father and the Holy Spirit, make no mistake about it, is the second divine helper sent to us by the Father. So think about this. If you are a Christian, not everyone here is. Thank you for coming. If you're not, we hope you're comfortable and we're glad you're here to listen. But what I'm about to say doesn't yet pertain to you. But if you are a Christian, you have to know this. Each of us has two helpers. One is in heaven. That's the Lord Jesus. After his crucifixion and resurrection, he ascended. That's where he is now, seated at the right hand of the Father. So each Christian has two helpers, one in heaven and one on earth. That's the second helper, the Holy Spirit. And both are God. There was a man in the Bible named Ananias. Do you remember him? He got into trouble. He had a wife named Sapphira. That wasn't the problem. They decided that they would sell some real estate. They had a piece of property. And the implication was, contingent on the sale, they would make a rather generous contribution to Almighty God. They would support the church, let's say. But that didn't exactly happen. Here's what in fact happened. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Here's what it says. Peter speaking. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to whom? Uh, to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land. You, you see, Peter's making this point. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not still under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. Now look at this in the same passage. First, they're accused of lying to the Holy Spirit and now of lying to God. Which is it? Oh, don't you see? Interchangeable. Because the Holy Spirit is God. What they did with reference to the Holy Spirit, they did with reference to God because God and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. He, the, he, the Holy Spirit, is associated in many places in the New Testament with God the Father and God the Son, not the least of which is in the famous Great Commission, which is found for us in Matthew 28, verse 19. You all know it. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations. By the way, that's our task. How do you do it? Well, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. And 
When we baptize here, as we so often have the privilege of doing, we do this not as a mechanical formula, but so as to state the marvelous revelation of Almighty God, who is a three in one. He is God, the Father. He is God, the Son. And he is just as much God, the Holy Spirit. And you see this in so many places in the New Testament. There's a benediction or a a kind of a blessing pronounced upon people by the Apostle Paul. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 14. And here's what it said. It's marvelous. Look at it. You see the uh, Trinity working together with respect to our salvation. Look, this is what Paul says. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, he has plenty of it. And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's the three in one, I have to tell you. They perform different tasks with respect to our redemption, but they have equality of nature with regard to their divinity. Make no mistake about it, the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Trinity, and as such, he is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's the insider. He's the inside helper. He's the one who comes inside the Christian at the point of conversion. He's the one whom God the Son said would be requested on behalf of his followers from God the Father. He's the one whom God the Father has sent to indwell all those who accept the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice this again in John chapter 14, verse 16. The Lord Jesus says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you. How long? Yeah, folks, you can't lose him. Please let one word forever resolve your insecurity and confusion. In the Old Testament, David had to cry out one time, take not thy spirit from me. Under the new covenant, you will never have to pray that prayer. You see, the Holy Spirit always was. Since he's God, he was preexistent, but he manifested himself under the old dispensation entirely differently. He didn't indwell anybody. He came upon them temporarily for certain specific periods of time. But since Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to indwell those who accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And this verse tells me he'll be there forever. Please, don't let someone shake your confidence, not in what I'm saying. Are you not reading the same verse I'm reading? Forever in anybody's vocabulary means forever. You don't ever have to say, take not thy spirit from me. In fact, you ought to say, thank you, O God, that you will never leave me or forsake me. It's different under the new covenant. The new covenant is a far superior one. If you want to be an Old Testament person and think the Holy Spirit of God is just coming to affect you temporarily, okay. But I prefer the new to the old. And under the old covenant, you have to eat all kinds of funny food. You don't want to do that. You can't lose he who has come to live in you forever. And that's what it says. And make no mistake about it, he who lives in the believer forever is just that, a he. Can you see it? That 
he may be with you forever. You see? The word spirit, pneuma, is neuter. It would require, therefore, a neuter pronoun, but under divine inspiration, a male masculine pronoun is assigned to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's not a ghost. Look, here I step on toes. Do what you want to do. But you're scaring your children and grandchildren to death with this Holy Ghost stuff. Was it Casper? It's a mistranslation of Numa. He's not an impersonal spirit, influence, wind, ghost. He's not an apparition. He's a person. He has personhood to the same extent that the second person of the Trinity is a person. All people possess intellect mind, emotions, will, all of these attributes of personality are possessed by the Holy Spirit. Please don't call him a ghost. Oh, come on. It's no wonder why kids ain't too thrilled about coming to vacation Bible school. (laughs) Going to meet up with that ghost? God the Father, God the Son, and God who is the Holy Spirit. He is a he So then, how does this second helper, the Holy Spirit, help us? Well, can I just mention a few things to you? Here's one. He brought you to Jesus. You couldn't get there. I couldn't get there. You know why? We're dead in our sin. Can you please tell me where a dead person can get? A dead person can't get anywhere. He's dead. A dead person can't do anything on his behalf. He's dead. A dead person isn't just disabled or sick. A dead person is dead. The Bible says we have been spiritually dead apart from our conversion by the giver of life, Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. And and, and so, folks, the only way you could get to Jesus is to be enlivened, resuscitated, convicted, of sin, which is our major problem, and of Savior, who's the ultimate solution to the sin problem. I don't make this up. It says it in John chapter 16, verse 8. And he, notice again, doesn't say it, and he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I remember, I bet you do too, I don't know what it is. It was just on a particular day uh, when I heard from someone who was sharing with me the greatest story ever told. It was like the penny dropped, if I could use, be a little crass. It just, everything made sense. When he was describing to me how I fell short of the perfections of Almighty God, I don't know what the deal, I didn't need any more proof than that. Oh, I knew he was right. And when he told me my religion and good intentions and all the rest we still fell so far short of God's holy expectations and nature, boy, that just made such sense. And when he told me that I was a debtor, having violated the commandments of God, the thou shalt not, so the, oh, man, I knew that. Even if I could fake it with a, well, I, you know, I, I didn't do the thou shalt not kill thing. But the last one will really wipe you out. Thou shalt not covet. Oh, that's everyone. See, that means you shouldn't have desires for things you cannot righteously satisfy. Uh, Guilty. 
you, me, all of us. So when he said you're guilty before a holy God, and, and then when he said, oh, but God is not just just and holy, he's also uh, intensely loving, and so he enfleshed himself, squeezed himself into skin, and came and suffered and died, and he's the ultimate lamb of God. He said, you're a Jewish guy. You can understand that. You're the, you're the guys who did the whole sacrificial system in the old days. You know what I mean? Jesus is the ultimate lamb of God. I mean, it just made, it wasn't his persuasive words and that he was so articulate and brilliant. I have to tell you, don't you see? It was the Holy Spirit convicting me at that very moment of sin and of judgment and of the means to be righteous, to be in right standing with Almighty God. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You've had the same experience. I got to tell you, the Holy Spirit done did that to you. You didn't wake up one day and say, it's a good day to be saved. I'll walk the aisle. Come on, you're dead. The Holy Spirit brought you to Jesus. And not only that, after he did that, he really also helps us post-conversion, here's how he helps us. He secures and seals us. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In him, once again, not in it, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, uh, that's the greatest story ever told, also known as the gospel of your salvation. Having also believed, you were sealed in him. With the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. In the day in which this was written, the Romans were in power. They were uh, big shots. And Roman governors, if they were sending correspondence, had a custom to make sure it reached its destination and was not tampered with. Uh, they would melt wax, let it drip on the uh, letter, folded, and then over the wax, they would imprint the seal of Rome. And that essentially meant, hands off, bozo. Leave it alone, or it'll be your head. So the seal of the empire on the wax, the seal of the empire, was the guarantee that this correspondence would reach its destination. Folks, the seal that we will reach our eternal destination is the very Spirit of God indwelling us. And I know you and I can't be unsealed because in order to get unsealed, you have to be stronger than the sealer. And the sealer is God himself. Look at here. If you want to doubt your salvation and one day be saved and the next day not, fine. I just don't think you have to if you understand that the Holy Spirit, almighty God, he who is God, is the sealer. And when you see evidence of him in your life, don't you see he's the pledge you're going to reach your destination. I'm as sure as sure could be, and you ought to be, that should the Lord Jesus return tonight or we go to him before We'll be with him forever. It has nothing to do with merits and arrogance and pride. It has to do with knowledge of the sealer. We don't have the 
stamp of Rome. We have the stamp of the creator of the world, the Alpha and the Omega, the only non-created being. Almighty God is upon us, and his stamp is his own spirit dwelling in us. We shall reach our destination. And it's as if it's a warning to Satan, hands off. Don't mess around. Don't tamper with those whom I have sealed. Now, of course, he tries, but don't be, don't be, don't give Satan more credit than you ought to. We've been sealed with the very spirit of God, who is given, the text says, as a pledge. I mean, God gave us his word. You think he'd break his word? He sealed it with the Holy Spirit, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. You know, uh, we've, we've purchased a few houses in our day, as have many of you, and uh, generally, uh, the custom is when you, you're about to transact the deal, you put down some earnest money or a, or a down payment. You know, they, they tell you, you know, put down this, put down, sign here and put down some money. This just means you're serious about the deal. I mean, you're not just shopping, you're buying. You're buying, I'm selling. So, so as a pledge of that um, sincerity... Uh, you plunk down some earnest money or a down payment. But nobody in their right mind thinks that's all there is to the transaction. That's just the first installment. It's simply a pledge of others to come. Well, that's exactly the function of the Holy Spirit, who is a pledge, earnest money, down payment, first installment of the consummation of the deal to come. Folks, we're going to arrive at the destination, and it has nothing to do with our stick-to-itiveness or perseverance. It has to do with the fact that we are possessed, held onto, occupied, sealed by the pledge of Almighty God himself, and that is the Holy Spirit in you. He brought you to God, and he's keeping you there. You run if you will, but you can't outrun almighty God. It's just not possible. Eternal security has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the eternal spirit of God who says he will abide in you forever. Well, the Holy Spirit also helps us in another way. He helps us by giving us gifts with which we can serve God. Now, I'm not talking here about natural abilities. Oh, no. Even unsaved people have natural abilities. I'm talking about new stuff given to each believer at the point of conversion for the sole purpose of, bring, uh, of uh, bringing glory to God and accomplishing what he wants us to do and that we couldn't do without the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the New Testament has three or four lists of these gifts, and uh, we're not going to go through them tonight, but uh, Lord willing, we will in subsequent Wednesday nights, and um, we'll talk about all of them. And um, even the gift of tongues, yeah, uh, we, we'll talk about the gift of tongues, and uh, um, I don't want to share my opinion on it. I want to share what the text says about it. And so you, you check me out. That's what I mean. Bring your thinking cap on. If you think I'm straying from the Bible, I'm, I need to hear from you. 
but if you think I'm presenting the Bible uh, rightly, then you're going to have to maybe deal with yourself if you're mad at what I'm what, what I'll tell you in, in weeks to come. So for now, let me just tell you, everybody who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit has at least one gift from the Spirit, one enablement to do the will of God. It's not to puff you up and to advance you or me uh, in any way. Oh, no, no, it's not about self-promotion. Uh, no, 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 it's to accomplish the things of Almighty God which cannot be done merely through natural abilities. And then uh, let me mention another way in which this other helper, the Holy Spirit, helps us. He is referred to in verse 17 as the spirit of truth. Folks, we cannot know and understand truth without him. That's why even the world's most brilliant people, apart from the Holy Spirit, cannot unlock real meaning and understanding from the Bible. They don't get it because you have to know the author of it first and receive his spirit in order for it to be illuminated. I remember when I was a kid in college, you know, in English, uh, you have to study sometimes literature from the Bible. It's not for religious reasons. It's just that, you know, our society has been affected by biblical literature. And so even in secular institutions, you spend some time looking at literature from the Bible. And so we did in this class. Well, I got to tell you, man, nothing to me. It was just literature, prose, poetry, whatever. Didn't transform me. It didn't convert me. But I remember as a little Jewish kid, we went through massive passages of Scripture every Sabbath. We read from the Bible. It was part of the liturgy. It had no effect on me except to induce drowsiness, um, <laughs> as a number of you are experiencing right now. You know, what is the deal? Why, why, what happened? Well, but, but you see, when I was introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ and he sent uh, the spirit of truth into my life, ah, oh, then it was different. Then, you, have you had this? I hope you've had this experience. Um, you love the word of God. You honor it. You know, I remember as a new Christian, the first time I had a Bible and uh, it fell off a table onto the floor. It bothered me that the word of God fell onto the floor. I picked it up. I kissed it. I, I don't know when the world came over. Now, you see, someone came in me, the Holy Spirit. Give me a new appreciation for the Bible. It used to be a closed book. Now I read it and, you know, it's sort of like a love letter. It's sort of like a dear Stuart. Now, sometimes it's dear Stuart, clean up your act. I mean, let's just face it, you know, but, but it's, oh, it's the author speaking to you. It's not Shakespeare. It's not Aesop's fables. It's the word of God. It's like a hammer. It has power. It's like a fire. It can purify through it. He brought into existence the very world through it. He can change our lives. Have you ever been so needy and you call out to God, but he says you snuggle up to God and you petition him and now you're not praying. You're really crying out because you're hurting and you crack open the Bible and oh, it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces all of the stuff. 
stuff and the defensiveness and all the baloney and it gets right to the heart of the matter that matters to you and almighty God speaks and you are caught up to the third heaven because for that moment nobody else is on earth but you and almighty God and this Bible which is for everyone is for you at that moment and those are not just letters on paper that's you saying I have heard from God and you can't wait to get up and out of your house to tell someone that day could I tell you what God told me this morning have you had those you see that's the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth if you're a Christian you have a resident teacher in your life you don't have to come to church anymore I'm no we got to edit that one out you don't have to come on Sunday let's put it that way I just all right. I gotta wake you up somehow. He's in us to put it, put us in touch with truth. You know, I watch news and you hear about all these famous uh, show business people who are experts on politics and war and all the. You know, all of a sudden, they're stand-up comedians, and all of a sudden, they know what our strategy ought to be in Iraq. Um, and you. And you, you're angry, but then you try to get out of it, and you just say, ah, that person is so filled with darkness. And there but for the grace of God, so would I be. That person doesn't have the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, leads us into truth so that we can know of the things of God and what he wants for us to do. Don't you see the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, uh, the Lord Jesus really does love you and me, and so he didn't want to leave us alone and without help. And so he came before his father, with whom he had quite a relationship even from before time, and he asked the father to send to us uh, uh, another helper, the Holy Spirit, and, and he came. And so where is he right now with reference to Christians? Well, here it is again, John 14, 17. He abides with you and will be in you. Please don't be unduly concerned about where the Holy Spirit is. He abides with you and will be, when he comes, in you. So folks, am I missing something? Why are you asking God for the Holy Spirit if you're already a Christian and already have him? Now, Lord willing, next week, let's talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we have good brothers and sisters in Christ who have different points of view. And I'm going to try to be as respectful and gentle as I can in my uh, quest to obliterate the position. <laughs> Blow them out of the water. Christian love. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, let me have a shot at the baptism of the Holy Spirit next week and but but for now let me just tell you this tells us John 14:17 you got him he abides in you and since we already have him we're commanded not to ask for him but to be filled with him filled up with him that's what it says Ephesians 5:18 uh, don't get drunk with wine that's dissipation no be filled with the holy spirit there isn't any commandment in the Bible to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, why would God command you to do something he already done did? 
But there is a commandment right there, be filled. Isn't it an interesting juxtaposition? Instead of being uh, intoxicated by alcoholic beverages, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's going on there? Well, those of you who come from a different place and who've had the misfortune of being under the influence, mastered by um, alcohol, you know what it does. You become its slave. You are yielding to it. You are at its beck and call. It makes you say and do foolish things. It makes you jump through its hoops. And all this is saying is, um, you need a master. You can't be the master of your own destiny. You're not going to make it. You really need help. Why don't you be mastered by the Holy Spirit instead of by booze? You see what it's saying? The operative word is yield. You yielded to something else. What did it get you? Why don't you yield instead to the very Holy Spirit of Almighty God who is in you? So how often do you have to do that? Boy, I wish it was something to do and be done with. But it isn't. It's an everyday thing, isn't it? Every day you have to get up. And that's what it says in the original Greek. It actually doesn't say be filled. It says be continuously in the process of being filled. It's a present tense verb. It means ongoing action. It's not something to do and be done with. And this is a wonderful challenge in the Christian life. You get up every day, and as you go through the day, you yield to God's ways rather than the ways of the flesh. That's what it means. Be regularly filled with the Spirit of God. Folks, only Christians can have the Spirit of God in them. Notice again, John 14, 17. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Well, why not? Well, it's easy. You have to have the first helper before you can have the second helper. That's the way it works. Don't be confused about it. You have to have the first helper, the Lord Jesus, before you can have the second helper, the Holy Spirit. Now, if you see evidences, any evidence of the second helper in your life, you can be sure you have been saved by the first helper. Now, I feel like taking about the next nine hours and telling you about evidences of the Holy Spirit that I am aware of in my life. You understand, this is not, I'm not calling attention to any good thing in me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when God added to the mix of my flesh his own spirit, I saw manifestations thereof. Can I give you an example? Uh, every, um, what is today, Wednesday? Every Wednesday morning, our staff gets together and we're led in prayer by our minister of prayer, Buddy Griffin, that guy right there. And... Uh, it's not a lot of time, and everyone is busy and occupied and thinking about stuff. And I will confess to you, sometimes uh, I'm a little distracted. But then at other times, when we are all together, our whole staff, and uh, Buddy allows us to share praises, prayer requests. And then every once we pray in small groups sometimes, and then sometimes he leads us. He has written down the list of prayer requests and praises, and then he'll just guide us where our heads are bowed and and we're praying silently to one another. So we're not hearing one another. We're, we're just there and he will introduce the topic we are supposed to bring before Almighty God. Well, that, that's, that happened today. But I tell you, I was just so glad to be there. I didn't want to get up. That was such a sweet time. Our hearts were together, though we're so different. And sometimes we don't even like each other. Let's just face it, folks. We, 
just people, but ah, oh, you talk about the tie that bound us together, making our appeal as kids to Almighty God, and such a sweet spirit. And, and I thought to myself, oh, that's evidence of the Spirit of God in my life, because you can't have an interest in spiritual things apart from the Spirit of God, don't you see? I remember years ago when Billy Graham used to come on, it was the day before uh, remote control stuff. So if you wanted to change the channels, oh, it was terrible, primitive days. You had to get up off the couch <laughs> and turn the thing, you know what I mean? So Billy Graham came on, and most Jews like us and my family, you know, he just wasn't our favorite. I don't mean any offense, but we just didn't. And I think it was because the, uh, the darkness could not stand the light. You know, we were, we were in the darkness. And so, well, we couldn't, we, I mean, either my sisters or I, we would just charge up to try to turn off old Billy. What he stood for was just too convicting to us. And I remember after um, being rescued by the Lord Jesus and after he sent his spirit into my life, I remember the first time there was a televised Billy Graham crusade. Ah! I, I, I didn't want to blink. I was captivated. Preach on, Brother Billy. Preach on. That's right. Amen. What you said is right. So simple. So pure. So clear. One way through Jesus. So you see what I'm talking about? Things change. Hey, let me, let's do something. I don't know where our pastor is, so this gives me a few more minutes. Let me just do this, if you don't mind. I'm monopolizing the whole time here. I want to know, anyone here see an evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Would you just care to share it with the group just as as I did? Spread the wealth and evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Betty, I'm going to come over there. Hang on just a second. I just want to share. I love Jesus Christ. It's so hard. It's so hard to say what a wonderful feeling it is when you love Jesus Christ. You just snuggle up to him. Thank you, Betty. Look, evidence of the Holy Spirit in Betty's life, wonderful, is her love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, she never saw him. Please allow me to speak for you, Betty. She never uh, saw him, but she has this overwhelming love for her still yet unseen Savior. Please tell me where that came from. You see, that's the spirit of Christ in her life. Anybody, anybody else here? It's just us here. Brenda, you hang in there just for a second. And I'll get back to you. But we've got to get here to Charlie because he's older, much older. I was praying back here that you would call upon me because you're talking about dispensation. Years ago, I was a heavy, heavy drinker, and people would talk to me and say, what's, what's going on? Oh, man, I got wasted last night. You know, I partied, I did this, I did ugly things, I did foolish things, dangerous things. When the Holy Spirit moved in, the alcohol went away. The Holy Spirit took place, and praise God, I'm not dead because of him. That's right. Charlie, that is fantastic. Thank you, Charlie. That's See, that's what we're talking That's an evidence of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't anyone preaching to him. And his taste for it diminished because the Holy Spirit was filling him up. That's a wonderful, wonderful evidence. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Brenda, you were going to share something. Go ahead. I feel the Holy Spirit when I'm in the choir loft. Every time that we sing a good 
praise and worship song, I just start signing and dancing, and that's my, that's my gift from the Lord. Uh, Brenda, we notice. <laughs> and, uh, but it is wonderful. Uh, he, he, the Holy Spirit has put literally a new song in Brenda's heart. It's not the Rolling Stones. It's songs of praise to Almighty God. So that is just wonderful, wonderful. Anybody else, can I come your way? Brother, here we go. Come over this way a little bit, and I'll give you the microphone. Well, I've found whenever I say something stupid or foolish or unkind or rude, uh, the Spirit of God convicts me, and he makes me go back and say, I'm sorry. I mean, I used to have a hard heart, but God has certainly softened it, and he does that. That was great. Uh, our, our brother said, when I do or say something wrong, I just feel convicted. Oh, Listen, the most miserable person on earth is not an unsaved person. It's someone in whose life the Spirit of God abides and who is quenching him through disobedience. He loves us so much, he'll mess us up. He'll convict us of sin so that we get things straightened out. I remember I told you this story, I think, some time ago, but let me do it again and then we'll draw to a, a, a close I used to play basketball when I was in the military, and you're just going to have to take that one by faith. It's true. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, we used to play in an old bomber factory, actually. It was a converted bomber factory. And, uh, and, and, and being from New York, we take basketball very, very seriously. The object is to win the game. And so we're playing. It's in the military. And... I had uh, become a Christian, oh, just a few days before this particular game. And, uh, but I was playing it the way I did before I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. takes a little while for us, you know, to kind of grow in Christ. And that means when things didn't exactly go my way, I, I shouted out the Lord's name in vain. Well, I had always done that. You know, that's just what you do. You let it out and you, you know, you just keep playing. I, I did it. And the first time I did it on the court, I felt something. Almost as if someone put their hand on my shoulder. It was almost that real. And I didn't know what, it, just uncomfortable. But I, I had no explanation. A babe in Christ. You know, we don't understand much except that the Lord Jesus loves us and rescued us. But I didn't know much of anything else. Well, then the game goes on, and I did it again. Second time, use the Lord's name in vain. We're, we can't do that. It's, we're not allowed to. I didn't know that. And again, I felt this most uncomfortable sensation, so real, almost like a physical sensation. In this case, I looked around because it sounded like someone was saying, don't do that. Almost like there was some... Baptist preacher in the house, always telling you what you can't do. I literally looked around, but nobody was there. And then I began to realize, whoa, God kept up his end of the bargain. Whoa, he did come inside. Holy moly. I'm a temple of the Spirit of God. 
It needs to be renovated. I got to make room for him in every room of the temple. And that's just not going to happen overnight. But I know I got to be about the business of doing that unless I want to go walking around feeling just as uncomfortable and messed with as I do right now. I have to tell you, that to me was an evidence of the Holy Spirit like none other I think I ever experienced. You've had experiences like Now, here's my point in belaboring all this point. If you see any evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, that is assurance that you're going to meet up with the first helper face to face one day. Because he sent you the second helper as a pledge that that's exactly what would happen. You'd reach your destination. There was a Norwegian explorer named Ronald Amundsen. He discovered the South Pole. He was on an exploratory trip on one occasion, and he took with him a homing pigeon. When he reached his destination, he released it. It flew home back to Norway. His wife came out the door of her house. She saw this homing pigeon in the sky. What do you think that said to her? My husband is alive. And one day I'll see him face to face. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ went on a trip. He went from earth to heaven. And we have not been able yet to go with him. But he loves us. So he sent us assurance coming down from on high that one day we'll see him face to face because our heavenly husband is alive. And he sent this in the form of a most gentle dove, the second helper, the Holy Spirit of God. My fellow Christians, I mean, no disrespect for those of different points of view, but the Bible says... <laughs> If he is in you, he is in you once and forevermore. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a, see the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of glory divine. Think what you want about you, but I'm an heir of salvation. Purchased by God. Born of his spirit. Washed in his blood. And this is my story. This is my song. Good cause to praise the Savior all the day long. We ought to sing that together. Do you know Blessed Assurance? We'll put it on the screen. You help me sing it. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of God, washed in His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. One more time. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Lord Jesus, thank you beyond words for what you have done. Thank you for coming. 
Thank you for going as the first fruits making a way for us to follow. But thank you not for leaving us alone. Thank you for sending another helper who has the same essential identity as you do. Thank you so much for living within us. Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, Spirit of the living God. Thank you for changing us from the inside out. Thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for never letting us go. Thank you for empowering us. Thank you for giving us gifts to serve. And thank you, as has been so wonderfully said, even for convicting us of sin and wrongdoing. Thank you so much. Wonderful Savior for living in our life in the very form of the Spirit of God. This we pray in the name of Jesus our Savior. Amen.